Good morning and welcome to the latest edition of the Estate Agent Podcast. Luke, good morning. Good morning, Stephen. Andy, good morning. Good morning. And I am so excited today because we've got a gentleman who has spoken to 50,000 delegates, made 1,500 presentations, collaborated with the likes of Bob Geldof and Tony Robbins and is the author of A Power of Connection. It's Mr. Rick Rushton. Wow, Stephen, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Pretty much word for word as I wrote it, so well done. Real estate royalty, <laughs> Rick Rushton. Don't forget that. Real estate royalty, Rick Rushton. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, it's good evening from Australia and good morning to you over there in the uh, old dart. Lovely, thank you. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Rick? So this is my 29th year in the business. I started way back when in the late 80s, early 90s, when interest rates were 17.5%. The market had gone to pot, but that was the best market I'd ever seen. Didn't know too much about real estate other than you found people who want to buy and sell and match them together, try not to hurt them, see if you could help them. I got told by all the experienced agents in the office, man, you should have been here a year or two ago. The market has really gone ordinary. But you know, I was lucky to get a few results early Stephen to be brutally honest and um, I sold a lot my first six to 12 months I sold heaps I sold my car I sold some furniture I was pretty ordinary <laughs> to be honest uh, but luckily I had a, a a leader who saw more in me than I could see for myself he said look you've got the right attitude you've got exceptional focus and you've got a great work ethic. What we need to do is upskill you. So I'm going to send you to some real estate conferences. And in them days in Australia, there was no real Australian influences. It was all very American. There was Tom Peters. There was you know Mike Ferry, whose sons are both real estate trainers today. Um, you know, so I was doing absolutely everything I could, and I was working harder on myself than I did at the job of real estate to try and upskill as quickly as possible. And then from there, uh, I did get some traction. I did get some results and I just progressed through the chain to, in the end, buying the company that I started working for effectively eight years later. Uh, three years into my career, I was sales manager for 42 agents. Uh, it was an eight office network. Uh, I bought the office in 98. Uh, my wife and I uh, sort of partnered that together. And when I say partnered, I was creating the money. She was spending it. We did that incredibly well. Uh, I think she's up for the Visa card. <laughs> I think, I think she's up for the Visa Card Hall of Fame. We sold the practice in 2016 and just because purely and simply my, my professional career now is pretty much spent on a weekly basis traveling around Australia, New Zealand, Southeast Asia, uh, the US, uh, just educating real estate agents on you know, how, to, how to be. Real estate agents are very, very good at uh, taking concepts and running with them if you can simplify them. So it's a, it's a complex business, but we can simplify it and so we're into simplexity, and that's what I spend most of my time doing now, just presenting at conferences and uh, around normally scripts and dialogues. Uh, so, uh, you know, strategic influence, if, if you will. Fantastic. Now, I think that's, um, that's, that's, that's brilliant. And I always liken what you've just said to um, Gary Vee talks about his uh, classes himself as a wartime general when it comes to business. He's been through the downtimes, he's been through the tough times, and that's made him a stronger person, a wiser person, but someone that can pass on that that knowledge and experience. And having you entered the market when it was was tough um, has given you that that experience that's made you a huge success that that you are today. Um, so, but I believe Stephen, you. Um, You've got a you've got a question. 
I'll jump in there, Luke. It's uh, just something to, to, to ask, Rick. Um, your book, The Power of Connection, has yes. a subtitle. Uh, how to become a master communicator in your workplace, your headspace, and your place. I love that. It's got a ring to it. Could you explain it for our listeners, please? Yeah, I think, you know, real estate agents uh, always want to know what can they do to get better economically speaking. And they'll say to me, especially if they've heard me speak at a conference like ARIC or if they've heard me speak at anything that their company has run or their zone has run or their state is running, and they see me for a second time, they go, hey, I used that line. It got me some business. Have you got anything else I can say in this changing market? And I say to them, well, it's a bit like asking me, do you have something romantic I can say to my wife? Uh, the reality is, is that everything we're talking about has to have universal applications. If it's going to work in the professional arena, it has to work in the personal arena. And it all comes down to being an authentic communicator. So I think we're very good at making money, real estate agents. Sometimes we're doing it to the detriment of everything else in our life. So I, when I wrote the book, it was also about not understanding just how to make money with communication. My belief is that words change worlds and communication can change your destination, holistically speaking. It's not just about making more money and then going home, Luke, and having no one to share the money with because your spouse, your partner, your significant other says, you clearly love the deal more than you love me, I'm out of here. So there's no point making lots of money and going home and having no one to share it with other than a pet rock. So my view is is that we need communication to upskill in all our areas. I don't know all your listeners, I don't know all your subscribers, but I know two things about them. Number one, they're only really happy when they feel like they're growing or getting to the next level. Number two, as good as their results have been in the professional arena, if they're not doing well on the home front as well, they're not complete. They're not satisfied. So the book is holistic about how they can have an absolute connection in a professional sense, in a personal sense, and in a private sense. So hence the, the three applications with the book. That's brilliant. And you talk about um, in, in order to succeed, at first you must connect with yourself and um, others as a secondary measure. And, and that really resonates with me. Um, could you elaborate on, on that a little bit? Well, Andy, what we're talking about there is the little voice that we've all got inside our heads. Now, as some of your listeners are now thinking, what's the voice that this guy from Australia is talking about? That's the voice I'm talking about. We've all got that little voice inside our head that talks to us religiously. In Australia at the moment, the market's come back on the East Coast. So it's come back about 10%. We've had a situation where equity gain has been like 50% over the last six or seven years for most people on the eastern seaboard of Australia. It's come back 10% now. A lot of agents are now questioning, ooh, you know, am I good enough in this market? Is this market really for me? What should I be doing now? They're questioning themselves. I suggest if you want better results, you have to ask yourself better questions, which is you know, if the market's getting tough, where am I ready to fill the gap in the market right now? So I'm not asking for an easier market. I'm asking for better skills. What are the skills I know I've got inherently that can help me with a consumer today? So it's that little voice that sets us first and foremost, sets us for success. So we can't sell a triple front of brick veneer, a small um, little detached dwelling if we can't sell the six inches between our right ear and our left ear about the opportunities we've got. So as best I can tell, even with Brexit, the UK is still a great place to sell real estate. You know, there's still a demand to live in a quality democratic society where there's opportunities. Well, it's the same in Australia. So what we know is, is that we don't build enough houses for the demand here. So we've got to get our mind right to say, you know what, as tough as it is to sell real estate, residential real estate in Sydney, in Melbourne, in Brisbane, on the Gold Coast, in Perth, in Adelaide, 
it'd be much tougher trying to sell houses in Bosnia, I would have thought. So we just need some perspective. So that's what that talks about there, Andy, just getting the headspace right and then you're ready to then communicate outwardly to your consumers every day. No, I think that's um, some really some really good advice in in some of the things you can't control, but we, we know that there's certain things that are happening and that there's certainly opportunities out there with, with Brexit. You can become that trusted advisor. You become that go-to person that, that is going to try and answer those questions or best guide them. So, no, I think there's some fantastic advice there. Well, um, I would have thought so, Luke. I mean, I think the other thing without sort of cutting across you there, because I know hmm. that's not one of the things we like to do in this podcast, but, you know, <laughs> one of the things I know, I don't know your local paper in your town, but you'll know it. Our, our, yeah. our paper is called the Herald Sun. If you go straight to any paper anywhere in the world where I've ever traveled, if you go straight to the news area where it talks about the death notices, you'll see two things that are consistent across every newspaper across the planet. Number one, Everyone seems to die in alphabetical order. That's the first thing you notice. Number two, <laughs> number two, and this is the biggie. Number two, this is the biggie. Every single one of those persons listed on those death notices would gladly change places with any of your listeners to have a discussion, a tough discussion. You know, not small talk, but a big conversation with a consumer about what Brexit the difficulties of it, but the opportunities within that difficulty. So what we've got to do is we've got to have some perspective. If we, if our feet are hitting terra firma and we're drawing breath, any day above yeah. ground is any day above ground is a great day. Get out there and start talking yeah. about the opportunities that Brexit's providing. Yeah, no, definitely. And as uh, the great Tom Panos says, an attitude of gratitude uh, with that, definitely. Well, he knows so, it better than most based on his health challenges that he's had, yeah, that's for no, sure. So. No, 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 def- no, definitely. So um, having um, read, I've not got all the way through your book, but um, it's a very, very good book. So those that haven't, I'd suggest that they they look it up. But you talk about um, speaking to people in a different way. So um, you talk about uh, speaking to uh, the person in your preferred way, you speak to their head. But when you speak to them in a way which matches their personality, you speak to their heart. What's all that about? So what that means is is that us three communicating on the other side of uh, the world with me, the fourth person in this, we're all fairly similar. We get along okay. We're having a, you know, we've just collaborated for the first time literally five minutes before this podcast started, and yet we've already engaged with each other through a bit of humour. We're very similar. So it's easy for us to connect and form a connection because of that. But how do we connect with someone who stands in the corner, very hard to engage with, doesn't share our same philosophy maybe, doesn't share our same personality? We can all connect with people who are just like us but how do we connect with someone else who's the exact polar opposite to us that's the person who may be the missing link to our team of you know uh, inspiring people who can take us to the next level so it's all about finding out who that person is and how they prefer to be communicated with and then tuning in accordingly you know if everyone was exactly the same there would be one radio station, one TV station. We'd all go and support the red side or the blue side, but there'd be no multiple champions to sort of worry about. Uh, you know, if there's a 10 cinema complex in your town, 
there would be the same movie running in 10 cinemas because we all like the same things. The reality is we are all different. Some like talk radio, others prefer hard rock, some like mellow elevator music, some like, you know, these scary horror movies, some like movies that are around successful biographies. What we're trying to say here is, is that we need to go 180 degree from who we are and change who we are in our approach to communicate, not who we are as a person. That's important to, to make that distinction, Luke. You've got to be very aware that, this person I'm about to engage with, I'm a double espresso as I talk. They're more like a double decaf. So maybe I have to slow it down. Maybe I have to be less confronting. Maybe I might have to ask them words like, how do you feel about potentially putting your home on the market? Now, as I slow down and ask that question, they come back with, well, we're uncertain about what this means. They're looking, they're crying out for a bit of security. Well, look, you know, I hear what you're saying. You're a little bit concerned about the market. Yes, we haven't done this before. Well, you can relax because I'm time tested in this. I've been doing it for almost three decades. So now I'm actually giving an answer to their biggest challenge, which is they're uncertain about the market. The next person we go into might be up here saying, okay, welcome. All right, we had an appointment. Here we are. Bedroom, bedroom, bedroom. We updated the kitchen last year. Honey, what did we spend on that? 25K. There we go. What's it worth? Oh, can I just put my books down? It's almost like the previous example was double decaf. This guy's double espresso. And we've got to get it at both those levels as quick as we possibly can. So we'll pick the pace up. We'll be far more dramatic with our hand gestures. Not that you can see that on a podcast, but we would be tuning into who they are and broadcasting back the sort of hard rock they want versus the subtle talk radio that the previous example wanted. So that's kind of in a nutshell how we, and in the book, I explain it in colors. And, you know, I just put people into four colors, not very scientific, but it seems to work for me. So red type personalities, instant coffee is not quite fast enough for them. You know, if they're gentlemen and they're at a public urinal, they're doing the business and pressing at the same time, flushing. You know, if they're in an elevator, they're hitting the floor they want and thinking the harder I hit it, the quicker I get there. They drive fast even when they're not in a hurry. The first example I gave you, Luke, was of what I call an aqua person, very laid back, very subtle, very soft voice, non-confronting, don't like direction, like to just sort of feel their way through the experience. And in between that, you've got sort of blues and golds, which are a combination. Now, no one's ever won totally, but they are predominantly pushing towards that personality trait. And I've just found... People say to me, you connect so easily with people. What's your secret? There is no secret. You've just got to actually find out who they are, broadcast in their language, broadcast in their time and pattern, and broadcast to their color and personality trait, and you'll have a connection. Once you've got a connection, it's very easy then to turn that into a professional relationship. Rick, thank you for that. And, you know, here I talk about on my training, red, green and blue. So slightly yeah. different, whereas red is tell me how much my property is worth, then bugger off. Blue is yeah. sit down, have a cup of tea, hear my life story. And green yeah. is let's go all through, you know, the stats, the accounts um, and really looking at all the figures and analyzing them. So, yeah, and, that, and and so in my language, you know, blues are that. They're, they're very left-brain analytical. If you give them a marketing report, Stephen, they'll hand it back to you with the grammatical improvements on it. You know, you use the semicolon here. That should have been, you know, and you, you, you just ask them, what school do you teach at? You know, they tend to be very much left-brain logical sort of people. Um, I used to get along very, very well with reds and yellows because they were very descriptive, very animated, and they were very time poor. So they just want to cut straight to the chase, where aquas were the hardest for me because I really really had to slow it down you know i really had to tune into who they were and and be aware that security is their biggest thing you know to a red type personality a ferrari is awesome 
to an aquatype personality, a Ferrari looks dangerous parked on the side of the road. You know, so you've got to work out they're probably more a Volvo or a, you know, a very safe car type thing. So you've got to drive to the conditions, just like we do in weather conditions. We drive to the conditions. I think we have to drive to the personality that we're actually pitching to. Thank you. Coming back to the book, um, you talk about what gets rewarded gets done. Yes. Okay. <laughs> could, could you elaborate on that? Because I know we've got loads of listeners um, out here who find that a lot of their team don't get done what they want to get done. Is that true, Luke and Andy? Yeah, I think that's a fair comment. And uh, yeah, I'm interested to hear the answer on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Well, so, you know, in terms of real estate, it's a very statistical business and it's very easy to see who's making the money. It's normally the deal makers. But, you know, my view is what gets rewarded gets done. So, if, you know, if the deal maker is the last piece of the puzzle, if we work back from that, there's probably been some preparatory work done, which in my thinking has been by an assistant. So, you know, early doors, I had an assistant, guys, just to let you know, in 1993, it was unheard of in Australia. But I, and no one told me I should have it. I just thought, you know, I'm so busy doing what I, what I was thinking was about $100 an hour stuff and it I was doing $10 an hour stuff like preparing, you know, marketing submissions and reports and advertising campaigns and meeting photographers of properties and things of that nature. I realized that if I could actually offload that, but I couldn't just pay someone a, an hourly rate because they, they would just, it would be a job for them, which we all know is an acronym for just over broke. So if I get someone to do that for me and pay them $10 an hour back in 1993, they, they showed up with all the energy and all the spunk of a factory worker about to go through another mesmerizing, mind-numbing day. So I, I said, if you create a photograph that helps this property sell, I'm going to reward you as well. So I actually would slice the pie up in a totally different way. And I think that that's kind of the, the message that needs to be sort of explained to your people all the way through. What gets rewarded gets done. So everybody needs to know what's going to be measured. It's not just the money. It's not just the economics. It's customer satisfaction. It's the ability to say, do we realize that Di, our lady in the back corner, because we're really good at making money, she's very good at keeping it. She's got the ability to disperse money and get more money into your account. That has to be rewarded, doesn't it? That sort of stuff has to go. Uh, I think that stuff has to be known to our to all of our team, that what gets rewarded gets done. So it's not just about the economics of the deal. It's also in the support people around it, and everyone gets a fair share of the wear. So, you know, we just found that if you put that out there, people then, you know, you had their, I guess, their skin in the game, but then you also had their head and heart in the game as well. And I was always after heart share before market share. If I could get that, market share seemed to follow. And we're all into business ownership and talking about P&L. And we all know that P stands for profit and L stands for leverage in an average business. But in what gets rewarded gets done, P stands for people and L stands for leverage. If you get the right people, you'll leverage your business. And let me tell you, the profit and loss takes care of itself. There's far more profit than there is loss when people feel like they are CEOs of the business themselves and they've got a stake in the outcome. And when they see the sole sticker go on, they might not have negotiated the deal, but my gosh, they know how that their, their role has helped that sale happen. Empower people and make them feel valued. I like that, Rick. So um, hope is not a strategy, page 104 of your book. Yes. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you know, I think a lot of people hope that Brexit's going to go well. We hope that Theresa May sorts it out. We hope, we hope, we hope. Well, hope's not a strategy. So what we've got to do is we've got to say, you know, I think when we're young, we hope for, uh, you know, uh, that Santa leaves us a really cool present under the tree. But in terms of what we're trying to do, 
we look for we look for solutions, and solutions are more strategic. And so, yeah, I'm not hoping that the market changes. I'm not hoping that my income goes up. What I'm looking to do, more importantly than anything else, I'm just looking to make sure that I've got a strategic plan going forward that I can work back. So I, I work strategically, uh, and it works along the lines of saying, you know, I just have to find 20 people to connect with today. If I can repeat that five days this week, that's 100 people this week. That is 400 people this month. That is going to be 4,000 connections I have in the year of 2019. If I do that, that will drop down to 40 transactions. I know those numbers work. So that's not hoping it's going to work. That's knowing it's going to work. So if I go 20 a day, five days a week, repeat that for four weeks, uh, that's a month. We work 10 months in the year. No one works 12 months in the year. And if they do, they're going to be the richest real estate agent in I think the cemetery. So we all we all work about ten months in the year. So we know that that's four thousand connections. The numbers tell me after almost three decades of doing it, that will drop down to forty transactions. You have to work out the numbers for your own market, but I'm telling you, forty transactions in any market globally would put you, I would suspect, in the top ten percent of your industry or of your marketplace or of your zone, and it gives you a pretty good income. I would have thought. So I'm into you know strategic planning, not hope. Absolutely. And that's something Stephen talks about as well. And it's amazing. I manage an office, a very successful, busy office, but I had to talk to other agents and it's amazing how many agents don't know their numbers. And uh, you know, it's something that Stephen touched on on a previous podcast. Knowing what your end goal and working back from there gives you that platform um, and that knowledge base to know exactly what you've got to do broken down every day to be a successful agent. So um, you're, you're indeed correct. Hope is not a strategy. Luke, Yes, so um, we uh, are actively trying to encourage all of our team to do a handwritten card, a handwritten note, and I've just recently adopted on their birthdays is I will write a handwritten card to them, thanking them for their year of work, giving them a voucher to go out with their partners, um, giving them a uh, obligatory uh, birthday cake, standard nitrogen issue, caterpillar cake, seven ninety nine. We push the boat out, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll change it. We will change it every year, so we'll we'll make a bit of a theme about it. But it's just a bit of a bonding exercise. They can share the cake in the office. They can share the cake at home, however they want to do it. But it's more about making sure that then they can go and have that nice time with their partners or families on a on a meal out, that kind of thing. But also just taking the time for the five, 10 minutes to write in that card and to maybe reminisce on what the year's been. Um, how have you found the kind of the power of the handwritten note or card, Rick? Well, I find it's just an absolute fundamental. I'll give you uh, a, a few quick stories. So I've connected with some of the most amazing people on the planet from doing nothing more than sending them a handwritten note. So what I know, and I've been in a lot of offices, a lot of real estate offices, because I'll top and tail a lot of their meetings. And what I know, Luke, is that, you know, you can walk through an office, you won't find too many framed emails from the boss to their employees saying, great job. But I'll tell you what you do see from time to time. You see a framed handwritten note where the boss has taken a pen, that's spelled P-E-N, grabbed a card, not the, you know, not we're talking a card, <laughs> fill yeah. in some words and saying, hey, I heard how you dealt with that very difficult customer. Thank you for being you, retaining your self-esteem, getting the customer solved, but most importantly, protecting our brand in the marketplace. I know if I brought you up in front of the sales team, you'd be embarrassed by that. But I'm letting you know it didn't get lost on me. We really appreciate and value what you do here. 
just something like that. I got to tell you, um, you know, when I sold our practice, we had a very small team in the end. We had uh, eleven, but seven of them had long service leave entitlements. Uh, four of which had multiple long service leave entitlements. They would they would stay even though opponents were offering them bigger commission splits and all those sorts of things because. You know, we had a handwritten note scenario happening where, you know, people felt valued and appreciated and we can tell them and we can send them an email and we can put them up on the whiteboard. But, you know, nothing seems to have a greater influence on people I've found than just the handwritten note. Now, again, I learned that from probably the best real estate agent I've ever been around uh, who operates in Southern California in America. His name is Bob Wolf. I'd ask your listeners just to Google him. He is a guy who's been doing it at a high level for a long, long period of time. And, you know, he changed my career literally almost 22 years ago now, 21 years ago, and that was the simple thing he told me. He said, you know, if you could just find five people to thank with a handwritten note, put them in your pocket, go out, don't go home until you've actually found five people to thank. Um, If you could do that, you might want to pack a toothbrush on the first night and maybe the second night, but by about the third or fourth day, you just your brain's wired to it and you find people to thank. Thank you for coming through our open home. Thank you for inspecting this property. Thank you for the feedback that you don't want to list with us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Five a day, 25 a week, 100 a month, 1,000 a year if you work 10 months in the year. You've got to ask yourself the question, Luke, would your business improve if you had a 1,000 thank you notes out there in the marketplace for 360-odd days of the year? And the answer is, of course it will. So what does it take? A bit of discipline. What does it take? You end up with a callus on your middle finger, trust me, because I've got one uh, to prove it. But it's just ingrained in me now. I can't really finish the day. Uh, yeah, it's around sort of early evening here in Australia at the moment. Uh, I actually spoke at two events in, in, in today. So I've actually sent off quite a few things. I've, I've, I've done more than five. I've lost track of how many I sent, but I don't see it as a chore. I don't see it as a discipline. I see it as an absolute must. I see it as something that makes me feel good, and I know the receiver gets it. I totally agree, and you know, I like to share a couple of stories as well. So every time we had an exchange, however poor the solicitor was, and you know, I'm sure the listeners will agree there are a lot of poor solicitors, unfortunately, out there. I used to always send a thank you card and that thank you card said, sorry for being a pain in the backside. Really appreciate your help in getting the sale over the line. Thank you. And what was amazing, (laughs) I then got phone calls from these solicitors to say, in 40 years, I've never had a thank you from somebody. Thank you so much. And guess what happened? Because the chances are you're going to deal with these people again um, next time you deal with them. Oh, Stephen, they take your phone call, they answer your email, they're really useful, (laughs) they want to help you. So it just totally changes your mindset. And again, to me, it's just a little thing. I know I talk a lot about marginal gains. It makes a big difference. And another thing... 100%. 100%. And the other thing there is, like, you can do it to strangers too. Like, um, you know, someone gives you good service somewhere, you write them a thank you note and send it back to them. The next time you go there, you're like behind the velvet rope, my friend, whether it be a cafe or a bistro or a restaurant or something, they just love you because you've taken the time to send them a note. And I'd send notes to prospects and go, hey, Jack and Mary, just wanted to let you know, I thought you'd like to get something in the post today that was not a bill. Have a wonderful Wednesday. (laughs) Flick it off. They, you know, the amount of calls I get from people going, man, I've got your card. You are unbelievable. Hey, tell you what, we're not selling, but we know the guy two doors down will be shortly. Um, do you want me to form an introduction for you? And you just go, that's just off the back of a card. You know, it's not that hard, is it? 
not at all. And how much does that actually cost you? It costs nothing, you know. So exactly. ev- everybody's talking about all these big prop techs and stuff like that, and actually, really, it's for simple things that people like. And you know, I well, know. That's, it, well, that's high touch, isn't it? You know, everyone's talking about these apps and technology. Well, what I know is, in a declining market like we've got here in Australia, gentlemen, no technology or no app is working where no consumers are clicking. But I'll tell you what does work. They get something in the post that they open up and they go, this is giving me a reason to get in touch with this agent because I don't receive that. Everything you said, Stephen, is so true. I get it all the time. In 20 years, I've never had a card and thank you for doing that. And, you know, just just even those joking ones about saying, hey, uh, just reminding you, you got an election this Saturday in the state of Victoria. Don't forget to vote because the fine is incredibly big. You know, uh, daylight savings has come in. You can't walk your dog on the beach anymore without a leash. Don't forget that, you know, because most – Pet owners love their dogs more than they love their kids, typically. But they get in touch with you and say, hey, thanks for the reminder. I really appreciate it. High touch versus high tech. It it wins out more often than not. Fantastic. I know, Luke, you've got a question. Yeah, no. Well, you you kind of touched on Bob Wolf um, when we were talking about the handwritten notes. Um, And that was something that I took from when I went to Arec a couple of years ago. And I think from memory, he was he got rated as the best speaker of that event. Um, and he had some pretty stiff competition from all the different speakers that year. Um, yeah. And if, if I could have half the energy that Bob has now uh, at my time in life, but even, even if I could have a quarter when I'm at his age, then it'd be remarkable because uh, I think he's, he's over 60 from memory um, and he just doesn't seem to stop. So, so what's it like and what have you learned from Bob? Well, one of the things that I have learnt from him is that energy for him is simply just a discipline. He, he he won't go out to the marketplace without a smile on his face. And if he's not ready to do that, he just stays at home. Now, that's unusual for him. So he's very committed to an energy exchange. He realises that people don't hire brands, they hire people and their energy. So he, he makes sure that his energy is up. How does he do that? Well, yeah, he is in his mid-60s. I think I can say that safely without giving too many trade secrets away, Luke. He, um, what he, he doesn't drink alcohol. So he's, you know, he's very, he's very disciplined with his diet. So he, he does do drugs, though, and you need to hear this. Um, his drug is called, his drug of choice is called endorphins. He just programs his brain, the natural chemical that the brain gives through your body when you are living on purpose, knowing why you're doing what you're doing, he absolutely has a dream, has a goal, has a plan, and all he's looking to do in 2019 is to see if he could be better than he was in 2018. He's just looking to get a little bit better this year than he was last year. If you take that out over a long career, it's amazing where it can take you to. Two and a half billion dollars of volume this man has sold. And if wow. he was tested, if he was tested, Luke, he would test as an introvert. And so when Stephen and Andrew and you saw him at Eric, you know, he's rated uh, in a presentation format, he is actually an introvert. He has to have his talk. I don't know if you noticed it, but he has, has to have his talk mapped out on yellow notepads right across <laughs> two six-by-four tables. Yeah. And it's been that way since 1997. I've introduced him, as I introduced him at that time at Eric two years ago, because John asked me for the 20th anniversary, could you get Bob back? I, I rang him and I said, would you come back? It costs him probably 150000 US to come down and do it in lost production. So he was doing it out of you know um, a, a request from John. He, he said to me, what would it mean for you if I did that? I said, it would be really handy. I'll get to introduce you. But more importantly, you have a chance to change 3,500 real estate agents' life the same way you changed mine 22 years ago. So in summary, what he is, Luke, 
he wakes up every day not hoping but knowing. He's work, he knows his plan and he's working his plan. He's got great energy. He has total focus and he's prepared to do what most agents don't do, which is to make the tough calls first before he even lands into the office. He'll ring and he'll say, hey, John and Mary, this is Bob Wolf calling. Um, it's a business call, so I'll be very brief. It's very clear to us now that the market has suggested that our expectations on price needs to be improved. If we stay looking for a million dollars, we're not going to sell. If we look closer towards 900,000, we can get you moving along. I need you to think about that and I'll call you back later in the day. But for now, that's going to be the purpose of my call when I call back at three o'clock this afternoon. He just, he does those calls. He makes probably 10 calls before he even gets into his office. And then he's just going with momentum all the way through. So he's an incredibly humble guy. He's very, very focused on what he does. He is incredibly time conscious. So he values his time. He knows his hourly rate. And because of that, he doesn't engage in small talk. He just gets on when he's in production mode, he's in production mode. But trust me, when he has holidays, he, he's in touch, but he's out of reach. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think that's, a, that, that's the way that that's the way that sum him up. No, I mean, I, I, now you mentioned it, I remember the, the yellow bits of paper and on the table and flitting through the different bits of paper and you think as he come back to the same piece of paper and I remember him telling the story about how he, he even has a swimming pool at his house, but he's never actually stepped <laughs> <laughs> That's just, that is so true. I actually, I've been to all of his houses that have had pools in them. I've been in those pools more than he has. And so that's absolutely spot on. And I can tell you, when he checks in to do a talk, he checks in the night before in a hotel, he wants two things in that hotel room. Number one, he wants really good air conditioning. Number two, he wants two beds, one to sleep in and one to lay out his speech. So he puts his speech out on the opposing bed. And it's almost like if you can imagine a card game where you've got, you know, three rows of five cards, that's his speech, three three rows of five piles of papers lined up. And he, and he does the same talk the same way all the time, but he, that's his process. That's how he sets himself up. And, and, and look, here's a great quote for our listeners. Process precedes results you show me anyone who's got great results in every area of their life and i'll show you someone who's got a very strong process very rarely does the magician pull the rabbit out of the hat with the magic without putting the process of putting the rabbit in there in the first place so what this guy does he puts everything in to make sure that when the time comes he is ready to go when opportunity is in front of him he has the skills to take advantage of that opportunity, that's what he does better than any other agent I know. And I've and I've been around some of the best into the best, and and some say something from the stage. And Stephen, you'd appreciate this. They say something from the stage, and then you go out and see them in the marketplace, and they go one eighty degree. And I go, hey, remember that time on stage where you said I never, ever, 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 ever negotiate my fees? Talk me through what we just did then in the last twenty minutes when you dropped your fee by half. Uh, so is it never, uh, never, 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 or is it never, 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 except maybe on the odd occasion? So let's just be real clear on it. Well, what what I can tell you is what you saw on that stage is exactly how he is in his marketplace. And I've seen him. I've been with him on listing appointments. I've been with him on buyer appointments. I've been with him when he's been doing, you know, price adjustment meetings, but he calls them price improvement meetings. <laughs> so he doesn't say we need to drop the price. He says we need to improve the price to make it more value added because you and I as vendor or an agent, we can set the price expectation anywhere in this market but it's the buyers who determine what's valuable and at the moment buyers with a million dollars are saying it feels like a nine hundred thousand dollar home to us so he's very good at those sort of conversations i can tell you now he doesn't do anything by accident he does everything by design wow no he's an incredible uh, incredible agent and i'd urge any of our listeners to to look him up 
And I think on YouTube, you might even find his speech from Eric uh, from 2016. It's certainly worth an hour of investing your time in. So, uh, so no, a magnificent guy um, and everyone could learn a, a lot from him. Absolutely. Rick, um, a nice link into uh, you spoke there about improving your personal life, improving your position and deposition. Um, I have been an avid listener to a podcast that I believe you co-present with uh, Peter Kakos, is it, um, called Voices of Value, which for our listeners is available on iTunes. Prefer you'd subscribe to ours before this one, but do them simultaneously. Um, Rick, it's a phenomenal podcast. Um, ex explain to the listeners what you're trying to achieve with that and, and how you're trying to help people on their personal life journey, please. So, Andy, what it is, we know that our biggest audience are going to be real estate agents because Peter and I have been combined in the real estate industry for almost 60 years. So he's a very fine, dynamic in his mid-40s, very smart agent, um, incredibly talented. But we wanted it to be more than just you know, real estate speak. We wanted it to be short, sharp, punchy. So most episodes go for 20, 25. I think the biggest episode might have gone for 30 minutes when we interviewed David Knox, who's another great real estate educator and a good friend um, and gave us some great dialogue. So we, we spent a little bit more time with him. But ultimately, we want it to be something that you can listen to on your commute in and out of the office so that when you arrive, you've got some inspiration. When you leave, you've got some implementation. In between that, we want it to be economic, but it's got to be emotional as well. It can't just be about the money. It's got to be about work-life balance or work-life flow. Um, so it's called voicesofvaluepodcast.com. Um, it's available through iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and all those sorts of things. But I agree. I think all your listeners uh, need to be telling you know, two or three of their closest friends to get onto your podcast because that's how these things grow. And then if you're finding value in it, you know, share it with with other people. But, you know, very happy if they wanted to hear from two Aussie guys who talk very, very fast. So they have to listen very, very quickly because we just cover a lot in 20, 25 minutes. And, um, you know, the last one that just went out overnight, uh, we record them pretty much in real time. Uh, they get sort of minor edited. Uh, when I say minor, it's only if we've gone too far and we just pulled out one section of it because our commitment is we're going to give a value exchange. So it's not just Peter and myself. We bring in and interview other people. We've got Bob lined up as our next interviewee. Uh, we've had David Knox before. To give you an idea, Andy, we've we've interviewed a uh, an elite jockey here in a, you know, the, the, the Melbourne Cup Carnival has just happened. Uh, i just really fortunate to get to coach a very talented an exceptional jockey. He's some of his processes. I, the feedback we got from real estate agents around what he does. I mean, we think we've got a tough job, but jockeys actually have an ambulance following them around everywhere every minute when they're on the job. So, yeah, that's an interesting distinction. Um, I get to work at a great uh, AFL sport uh, club here, which would be kind of like the Manchester United of your your listening audience's sort of scenario, which is the Collingwood Football Club. So we're interviewing the head coach of that, who's very much into process and procedure so it's real estate flavor but the universal principles are where we're at so it's voices of a podcast.com um you can subscribe to it but again i think you know this is all about your podcast your audience today and if we've hopefully added some value then you know they'll tell other people to come and subscribe to this podcast because information is free how hard is it i mean you've got to click on it's not that hard is it just get a wi-fi connection tell a friend hey you should listen to these guys they've got good crack good banter but they've got some good stuff and, uh, you know, make sure that this sort of spreads because my goal would be to hear that your audience has multiplied from our little session today as well. 
We really appreciate that. And Rick, you have been an absolutely phenomenal guest. I think we're all looking to add value. Um, that's the that's the reason that we get up every morning. That's the reason we have the early starts to to do this podcast and provide for our listeners in the same way that you do. So folks, do do drop onto that podcast, Voices of Value. Um, you'll find it on iTunes, Spotify, and the likes of. Um, I think that's a, that's about time for us guys. Um, Rick, you've been an awesome guest. Stephen, I'll let uh, I'll, I'll let you close up. Rick, thank you so much. Um, I've learned so much this morning. You've been a fantastic guest, so thank you. Um, have a lovely evening. Man United, um, you want to be following Spurs, so forget about Man United. They're the wrong team and they're in red, so um, and we don't talk uh, about red. I hear it. I hear it. That's okay. Yeah. Tottenham, Hot, Tottenham Hotspur is a team. If you want to follow anybody, Tottenham Hotspur. Go you Spurs. Go you Spurs. And I'm hoping Glenn Hoddle's recovered because he was my one of my heroes growing up. So uh, one of the best users of a ball uh, I ever saw in my whole junior soccer or football, as you call it, career. So appreciate that, mate. Go Spurs. And thank you, gentlemen, for a great opportunity. Thank you so appreciate much. Have a great Thank day. Have a great day, Andy. Thank you all.